Welcome to a special presentation of the Border Culture Podcast, soccer podcast for us, by us. It's your boy here, Grego here. Wanted to set the table for you guys, let you guys know what to expect from your fam here at FTC this week. we got two big episodes for you guys to check out both on your favorite podcast apps, as well as on the FTC UTD YouTube channel. First off, we have the debut episode of the Shea Butter FC podcast. Last week, we had the host of Shea Butter, Sky and Silves, on the show. Got a chance to top it up with them. And this week, we are giving you guys their first episode. So hopefully, you guys will enjoy that. Give them guys a, a follow on their podcast as well as on social media. You can find them at SBFC underscore podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. I don't know if they're going to do TikTok, but hey, you never know. They just might. Also on the FTC front, we're going to have our yearly kit review episode, which we did with our fam at Two Cents FC, and also with Ty Phillips of the Columbus Nordeca supporters group. So hopefully you guys will enjoy that. Now, that episode will be on, on, the, um, on the podcast apps, but obviously with kits, it's visual, so you're probably better off watching it on our YouTube channel. That way you can see what we're talking about as well as listen to it as well. So if you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to the FTC UTD YouTube channel. But without any further ado, we got Sky and Sales from SBFC. Give them a look. What's up? What's up? What's up? What it Hello, do? Hello, world. What it do? Hey. Um, I guess we need to tell the people who we are, what we do, and all that. So, hey, who are we? We are Shea Butter FC, also known as Shea Butter Football Club. Shea Butter Football Club. And we are a podcast where we are two black women who are going to give our perspectives in terms of soccer or football or football and everything in between. While, Deli- while delivering content with soul and seasoning that will moisturize your skin. They're going to lay your edges flat. And deepen your love for all things black women. For sure, for sure, for sure. And so I guess we need to introduce ourselves. My name is Sky, Sky Jordan. Cause I be crossing up on these people. <laughs> um, and I'm from Atlanta. Currently, I'm in the Wild Wild West in Southern California. And I guess who are you? Yo, this is Syl, originally from VA, two up, two down, all day. Uh, chilling amongst the trees now and in the PNW. In the trees, uh, in the trees, in the in the trees, right? Uh, yeah, that's that's where I'm from. That's who I am. Uh, and I'm gonna tell you that I came to the beautiful game by uh, rooting for the Richmond Kickers. Uh, shout out to the homies still playing out here and Washington Freedom, who are now defunct, unfortunately. But shout out to me, I can and Brown and Scurry, because that's what's up. And yeah, what you what you got? Like, how'd you get into this? Well, so I started playing soccer at the Y, um, and then I played in high school. But actually, like how I started paying attention. Is either from the U.S. Women's National Team, but then I grew up in Atlanta, so the Atlanta beat. Um, shout out, R.I.P. Hopefully, y'all get a team again. <laughs> but uh, I guess currently, you know, I guess the current club and, you know, part of how I got to pay attention was I, 
am a Manchester United fan. Hey, hey. And then Real Madrid. Um, and then if we want to talk about professional women, I was a diehard Chicago Red Stars fan for a while. But you know, I'm about to throw my allegiance to the upcoming Angel City FC. What's good? So what about you? What you like currently out here in this world? I mean, sometimes like is a strong word. I'm in a toxic relationship. It's really, um, really toxic. You could do better, but go ahead. I mean, I could do worse. So, you know, it is what it is. But uh, a very toxic relationship that I can't quit with Chelsea Football Club. Uh, but shout out to the women for making me uh, making me believers. The, the men the men hurt my feelings too much. But uh, yeah, and then Real Madrid, shout out. So we got that in common. And as far as professional women's clubs, uh, proximity is king. So I'm going to go with uh, OL Reign. I'll, I'll go up for them. And yeah, and honestly, I hope to see them play some of the style of soccer that I like uh, this season. We'll see what it looks like. They, they got some potential to do that. Looking for uh, Spain, you know, is, is sort of my favorite country in terms of watching soccer, a little tiki-taka, and we'll talk about that later. But I also like German football and Dutch football, and Brazilian football, anything that involves the midfielders and runs and beautiful passes. Uh, and it's just going to be attacking and never boring. That's, that's sort of what I'm here for. Uh, what gets you going? What, what do you like? So, you know, I like my football as I like my basketball as I like my football. I want embarrassment. I want highlight reels. I want to be like, oh, wait, ah, ah, yeah, let's get it. So I like like the transition. I like, you know, all the points. I, but I also like the technicality. I like the ball possession. I like the smoothness. I like the, you know, having the shivers and having to shimmy my shoulders because of the bombness that happens. I like the nutmegs. I like the putting people on the floor. So, you know, I like the possession styles and attacking styles of the Spanish league. I like Brazil um, as a national team and they're it just in football in general out through there. You know, Marta made me go. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Marta, uh, the goat for sure um and then also i like the um i mean i like the transitional paces if we're talking about professional leagues also aside from spain what's happening even in the u.s even though people be like there's no tactics there are mm-hmm. tactics yeah. um i love the transition that's happening in nwsl and then i like what happened in the um in the mexican league uh because you know they be balling all the time balling on your forehead so i like those kind of styles for sure for sure um, so now that you know who we are, you know, what we like, what got us into the game, I guess we need to talk about what in the world is this podcast um, that you listen to and what it's going to look like from this episode and uh, preceding episodes. Well, succeeding, however, yes. you know, the next ones. Um, so in this podcast, we will talk about tactics and we're going to get in depth in terms of player formation. We're going to look at games past and present. We're going to break down the master classes, you know, when things are going right. And we're going to talk about the disaster classes like we will later today across the globe. I feel that. I feel that. Uh, In addition to that, we're going to explore how black culture and social issues collide within the beautiful game, particularly women's soccer. Uh, And that includes looking at the experiences of past black players and how current black players experiences have changed and in many ways and super unfortunate not changed Uh, and we will also look to the future because that's what we do and we're looking to see what black women are going to do in the future of soccer right either as great players and or as change makers which many of them already are yeah we're gonna talk and have our little rants and hot takes 
and get our, you know, go in, have our feelings when things go off the rails. Um, but then also give props for those who do spectacular things and give them their flowers um, for players who just be balling. Absolutely. Always got to uplift. Uh, both of us like to play GM. So we're going to speculate and give you some hypothetical musings about possible player movement, mm-hmm. league growth, league opportunities, and other random scenarios, because I'm random, uh, that will make the game flourish and hopefully be more entertaining. And all this to say, we're going to do all these things, say all these things, talk about all these things, and give it to you for your ears weekly, because we want to provide a voice to the Black woman soccer football fan. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, because we out here, you know, so we want to make sure that y'all are heard. But most importantly, uh, we are going to stay dropping those shea butter bombs. Shea butter bombs. And what are those for the people? Educate the people about what that is. Uh, simply put, shea butter bombs are golazos for Black people. So when your favorite Black player puts that pretty ball in the back of the net from 25 feet, Woo! that's a shea butter bomb and you better yell it. When you watching it on TV. Honestly, it could be even short range too because they black. Yeah. It's just gonna be a five, five, five that's ass. Fair. That's, fair, that's fair. That's fair. That's you know, fair. You know what I'm saying? For sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. So I guess since y'all know what this is about, let's get into what we're gonna talk about today. So today we're gonna get in a little bit in the first segment, we're gonna dabble into the Champions League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and what happened on both legs, um, and preview the next round. Um, for the sem- semifinals. Um, and then we're going to get into the Women's Soccer League or the WSL, get into some matches of today. And we're going to delve into mm, a particular match that involved <laughs> Manchester United. And then we're going to get into the National Women's Soccer League, the NWSL. We're going to preview the Challenge Cup and deal with a video Mm-hmm. surrounding the challenge cup and then after that we're gonna have a segment our weekly segment called rants and raves where we're gonna get some things off our chest and show props to those who were blessed it did that thing this week and then we're gonna get you about this show so yeah. i guess we need to get ready and kick it on off uh let's talk about this champions league i mean let's yeah, go let's, Sue. let's get into it let's get into it so this past week the second legs of three of the four uh, quarterfinal matches were played. Uh, Lyon and PSG has been postponed till the 18th because, believe it or not, we are still in a panorama. So uh, hopefully everybody gets well soon and we can get ourselves a lovely competitive match on April 18th, which is a weekend. So I hope you all are tuning in. Uh, but we're going to talk about the matches that did happen. We're going to start with my girls, Chelsea. Uh, mm-hmm. They played Wolfsburg. So yep. in the in the first leg, uh, they won 2-1, despite not playing that well and honestly being outplayed for large stretches of that match by Wolfsburg, who simply, simply didn't put away chances. Uh, had they done that, we would have been in big, big trouble. Uh, but oh, yeah. we, t- we took advantage of our opportunities, uh, despite our defense, which was not great in that first leg. Um. So, yeah, uh, when she's not lying. Sills is not lying when... <laughs> Like Chelsea, the first game got really, really blessed that Wolfsburg couldn't put a a, a a ball in the net because before the first half, if I'm recollecting correctly, they honestly probably could have been up 3-0, 4-0. Something um, like that. And over the course of the game, that first game, they should have probably dropped seven go- balls, seven, seven goals into the net for sure. It was like 
a battering ram the first game. Like the timeline was all in a <laughs> twisting turn, you know. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, I think part of that too is people uh, wrongly underestimated Wolfsburg, who mm-hmm. went to the finals last year. So I'm not really sure why. I know You're right. I know some of it. They lost Panera Harder to the team they happened to play in Chelsea. Uh, and she came in handy. So I'm happy. Yeah, she did. Moves. Uh, but yeah, I never underestimate German teams. That's a terrible idea. Uh, the second leg, you know, we went in 2 1 with Wolfsburg having that away goal. I think we played a lot better, still had some shaky moments uh, for about 15 or 20 minutes of that game. But for the most part, got our back line together. We still miss Marin uh, for sure, but it was a lot better, a lot more movement once Kirby and Kerr got going. Uh, the game sort of opened up. I will say uh, the first goal was on a penalty call that I didn't think was a penalty not uh, a penalty Sam Kerr going down in the box having said that though I think the defender defender took the wrong angle which was to go inside uh on the left there but so, Sam Kerr channeled her really good uh <laughs> Ellen White Rachel Daly like it was a really good it was it was good it was a little divey it was a little divey but it it made it do what it needed to do it did and but ultimately hey it got pretty harder a goal against her former team so uh I don't think that was fun for her, but you know, she's got on that Chelsea blue. Now when you got it on, you hit that badge and you keep going. So uh, she was able to do that. And then uh, Wolfsburg had an amazing chance on the other end to put it in the net and really make it a match and just whiffed on it. Yep. Uh, and not too long after that, Sam Kerr, to my opinion, shot the goal of the tournament so far uh, playing in the box, gets it back to goal defender, trying to keep her from turning right to put her right foot on the ball, grabs the back of her jersey, uh, Kerr turns anyway and puts it in the back of the net. It's just a testament to how far her game has come. That back to goal play, the strength to be able to make the turn regardless of the defender, literally darn near draped on you, and to be able to slot it in and finish it uh, in a career where she always hasn't been able to finish those kinds of plays. So uh, shout out to Sam Kerr for the growth. Uh, I certainly appreciate it as a Chelsea fan. And I'm happy for her, man. So she's 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 definitely added an element to yeah, her and game. Seemed, and it seemed like after that goal, then like Wolfsburg kind of like, I don't know how to describe it. They could look kind of listless. They look kind of yeah. upset. Cause then Frank Kirby scored off a bad pass. Yes. And then it was like effectively over. And so yeah. deflated, yeah, deflated like Chelsea sure. was way more prepared. They still were getting worked a little bit, but they were way pre- more prepared. And Wolfsburg just didn't put the balls in the net. And so Chelsea ended up winning that the show yeah yeah I think yeah there was just a level of deflation there uh you know it happens that way sometimes you think about all those chances and when you miss that many it it just feels like an extra sort of stab stab to the heart so shout out to Wolfsburg for a competitive match uh Chelsea moves on it will mention their opponent in just a moment but do we want to talk about the other fairly competitive game that was going on uh, you're talking about the Manchester City versus the Barcelona? The Barcelona, Barca? Yes, yes. Well, before we get there, we got to talk about what happened previously in that matchup where, um, you know, Gareth Taylor had told the world that he was effectively going to park the bus on Barcelona. And so me as a Manchester United fan who've witnessed this team multiple times a season, I was like, that's a bad idea because that back line – while it's good, it is not that good. And, you know, Barcelona's going to tap dance on it. And that's what basically happened in the first game. Um, right. They parked that bus and then 
Barcelona came and hopped up on that bus and ran through that bus and flipped the bus up on his forehead and on the side and everything and <laughs> rolled it on down the street. Um, they had fun. They were really yes. overwhelming. Um, yes. And so, like, tell the people what happened a little bit with that. Sure. Guy. So the homie uh, Scott is right, and the homie Scott has been uh, banging that drum pretty much all season about bang, bang, bang. How that city backline can get worked. Uh, by a team that can possess and has speed. And that is who they came up against. So parking right. the bus probably wasn't the best strategy when you have midfielders of caliber who can break down any defense. Um, now I will mention in fairness to city, they were playing without stuff Houghton and had to rearrange their back line. I'm not so sure her playing would have mattered. It wouldn't have calmed him down a little bit, but not she wasn't going to get any faster and neither was anybody else in that back line. <laughs> um, so yeah, Barcelona had their way in that first leg. They won three nil. They probably could have won six or seven nil. Like they probably just missed six, seven, yeah. chances. Uh, I think particularly Esme Carter probably didn't expect, or I'm sorry, uh, Esme Morgan, sorry, didn't expect to start that game. Uh, but she was defending uh, on the right back in the right back position. And Carolyn Graham Hansen could have walked to that goal anytime she wanted to. It was just right. so open for her all game. Uh, you had the speed of Ashawala, uh, who scored twice, uh, one in, once in each leg. So shout out to those Shea Butter Bombs. For sure. But yeah, Barcelona mm-hmm. had their way when you have a midfielder of the quality of Alexia Patelis and, and the like, right? It's just mm-hmm. going to be really hard to stop that. Uh, so yeah, that was a that was a beat down. Beat them down. And so, uh, and so what was crazy about that game is Garrett Taylor refused to <laughs> he refused to play the cheat code that he has in Roseville. He yes. refused to start her. And so this was the one player, if you didn't know, tactical break for you, uh, that you could have used this cheat code in Roosevelt to break down the possession and what the, I was about to say, what the Spanish team, because effectively it is what the whole national mm-hmm. team is made of. What Barcelona likes to do in possession the ball with a player like Roosevelt, if you would have started her with Sam Ewis, and then you could have counteract a lot of the stuff they were trying to do and utilize her with um, him in order to create chances, but they didn't do that. So they got spanked, yes. but it's like he decided in the second game to recalculate and recalibrate mm-hmm. and man, it, it got a little better for him. It did. I thought Manchester city had a, a much better showing uh, second, the second leg. He started Samuels and Roosevelt at the same time. Could have knocked me over with a feather on that one mm-hmm. and started though. I think he had to uh, with Lauren Hemp out started to name Becky, which gave him a lot more speed. Mm-hmm. And I think that worked in their favor. I think it was a little odd because Janine Becky and Ellen White are such different speeds that I think sometimes it's really hard for them to connect. Uh, but like she can go with a Rose Lavelle and ended up scoring. Janine Becky ended up scoring the first goal. And Man City actually ended up winning that game 2-1 on her goal and then a penalty. For it a was Sam a flop. Lewis. That was a flop. Wait, wait, wait. That, well, who, who was it on? Who was it on? It was on Ellen White. Yeah. yeah. Miss Flopper herself. That was a flippity flop. It, it looked a whole lot like that World Cup uh, penalty. Mm-hmm. I still don't think mm-hmm. it's a penalty. But uh, all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so they got they got the benefit of the doubt. Like I said, uh, Asisat scored again in that game, which was wild because Roebuck, who I absolutely think played phenomenally for City as the goalkeeper, was coming up so high, like uncomfortably high to try to stop those runs and cut off the speed of Asisat. And then like two seconds after I saw that, they scored anyway. So uh, props to her for trying to trying to shut it down. But there's just nothing you can do about that when the other team's faster than you right. and can possess the ball and can pass the ball out of super tight spaces. I just want to give a shout out to Barcelona. So yeah. sexy 
how they Woo! pass out of tight space. Woo! I just wanted to give a shout out to that. Yo, that's uh, what I tell you. When yeah. I tell you I like my soccer, like like when I like my football, my soccer looking like that, like I was just like, Whoo. Yeah. Lord Jesus. They're gonna be that's they're gonna be a problem for whichever French team uh comes out of this tie. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And I, we can briefly touch on the, the last match. Uh, mm-hmm. We now know Chelsea's opponent will be Bayern Munich. Uh, mm-hmm. This is not a dis, this is not a disrespectful thing to Bayern. They were just so dominant. We didn't have a whole lot uh, to right. mention. So they had they had a beautiful cross and goal in the second game. Yes, it was yes. beautiful. It was like beautiful ball. Beautiful. Absolutely, absolutely. Shout out to Berenstein for getting a goal. You know, Shea yeah. butter bombs all day. So we always want to uplift. Bomb. We want to uplift there. For sure, for sure. But they were so dominant. And we certainly could talk about what they're doing in the league. They are undefeated. They haven't dropped any points. They're 51 points. And they've only had three goals, I believe, scored against Mm -hmm. them while they've scored roughly like 60-something. It's an absurd like statistic. Absurd. So they're a little scary for me as a Chelsea fan. And they're better at defense and they're better at finishing their chances. And so I'm very nervous. Uh, we will not <laughs> sleep against them, but it should be yes. a good matchup. It's like similar with Barcelona. They have like an unbelievable goal clip too. Where it's like mm-hmm. now 100, 100 goals. Yeah, something, something ridiculous. Something. Um, ridiculous. And so Barcelona won the uh, Manchester City leg. Uh, so they'll be facing <laughs> the winner of the, what is that, April 18th match between yeah. PSG and Lyon. Yes. Which in the previous match... <laughs> Which was actually a really, really close game until this fake penalty occurred. Ooh, the, where the legendary uh, Formiga inadvertently hit a ball, which I don't even think did it hit her hand. It actually, probably hit her shoulder. It was called a, a penalty in the box when actually she wasn't even in the freaking box. Right. She was in the goalkeeping box. And so it was just a bad penalty. Um, for whatever reason, didn't get reviewed. So Leon got a away goal, I'm yes. understanding, basically from a penalty that never should have happened. And so uh, PSG, while honestly they're probably the better team, yes. is going to have to score at least two goals uh, because away goals carry more weight in the Champions League. Um, and so we'll see what happens on the 18th. Yes. But yeah, that's the semi-final match kind of slight preview. And so as we wrap up this Champion League's ma- uh, matches, uh, we're about to take a little break. But afterwards, we're going to talk about a typical day in the Women's Super League. <laughs> the WSL in the UK, we're going to talk about, in particular, I guess we're going to dive in to what was my Manchester United's loss to Brighton. Ooh. We'll be back. We'll be back in just a moment. Hey, we're going off with Elliot, the co-host of Kid I Kick It, the number one podcast to listen to for all profiles on black players, coaches. We just finished up an episode with Reggie McKay, one of the leading capos in Atlanta United, and also the founder of Gold Food. We got an upcoming podcast coming up where we're going to be profiling the 2018 French National Team, so make sure to look out for it. So you want to listen to all our podcasts, you can check us out on Anchor or on Apple Podcasts or all other podcast feeds. And also on YouTube at River City 93. So, once again, I'll let you guys later. Be safe, be easy. Shit. 
Hey, so what's up? What's up? So now let's get into these women's soccer league over there in the UK. Uh, the women's my bad women's super league. <laughs> yes. <laughs> over there, you. the WSL. Um, and let's talk about this Sunday's matches. I guess before that, we need to give a shout out. We need to give a Shea Butter Bomb shout out to who? Kenza Dolly uh, for uh, in the West Ham game. They dropped five on Reading. Five. Can't believe that's the same Reading that beat One, United. One, two, three, <laughs> four, five goals. Yes. Yes. One, two, three, four, five. Uh, yes. Kenza Dolly dropped an absolutely beautiful goal uh, in their game versus Reading to get a win for West Ham and quite possibly keep them out of relegation, though that relegation battle is going to be a wild, wild finish in these coming weeks because they all play each other. Uh, But for the most part, the league went to form this weekend, save for one match. Wait, wait, wait. wait, We're going to talk about Let's talk about the other matches before we go. Okay. Okay. You want me to soften the blow here? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Most of them were blowouts. Most of them were blowouts. Chelsea won six, nothing against... Birmingham City with a hat trick for Sam Kerr, who I think is now the leading goal scorer in the league for the season. Or she's tied uh, I think with Miedema, or she's tied with Miedema, who I believe scored at least once, might have scored more than once today against Bristol City. Uh, Ebony Salmon did not have a great day, but shout out to her because she's been balling this season. Balling, dropping them shea butter bombs. 19, 19 years old. So I have nothing but high hopes for her. And I hope. English soccer figures out a way to capitalize on her speed and on the ball skill. That part. Uh, Also, and that's sort of a a touching on the teams in the top of the table. Also Manchester city won three, nothing with goals from a goal from Janine Becky. And I believe Carolyn Ware. Mm -hmm. and Everton won three, one, and is trying to gain ground on those top four teams. Uh, So they're out here balling. They seem to have gotten their, their tactics straight. I think the addition of Jill, Jill Scott has been a phenomenal ad for them and really stabilized that team. So Mm -hmm. yeah, everything else seemed to go to form, but we don't have to talk about it. And but I mean, you gonna have to talk about it. So what what happened to your girls today? So every, so wait, 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 hold on now. So everything went to form except for with my beloved Manchester United women. So we, we're going to talk about them extensively in this segment. Today, my squad played Brighton, which is led by the greatness that is Hope Powell. And earlier this week, she said, you know, they asked her, what are you going to do when you're dealing, when you're going to, you know, deal with the Manchester United? And she's basically said, I'm effectively going to, in more terms than not, park the bus. We're going to stay super organized and let them try to come through. And at that point, I knew she had been watching film. And so she saw some of the issues uh, that I've seen all season, which I'll get to in a second. And so, of course, she parked the bus with intents to effectively let Manchester United struggle with passing and then kind of force itself into a bunch of mistakes. And if they could capitalize on something like a penalty on a handball in the first half, it go up, then they could just effectively just hold the line and just stay secure and protect the goal. And have Manchester United run around and take shots and not have anything go in and win the game. And that's basically what happened. So my team had a disaster class today, um, but it was a part of a reoccurring thing on top of some injuries that occurred all throughout the season um, that we just really need to get into the facts that are the Manchester United issues. Um, and so do, should, should I, should I break it down? I'm gonna let you cook because that's your team. If I talk about it, I'm a hater. So I'm gonna let so you go and I'll interject as I see fit. 
Okay, so so let me let me explain to y'all what had happened was. So with my Manchester United, I've been watching, I've watched a couple of games before the season. I had heard about some issues in the midfield. I mean, the homie Sills has said, you know, midfield's a little issue. It's a little problem. It's a little, it's a little bit, you know, even beyond that, you know, I had watched some things before the acquisitions of Tobin Heath, Kristen Press, Alessia Russo, that you could see that there were some issues throughout the team. Um, and they were kind of like scrapping together wins and so forth. But what I've noticed through watching all these games in full is that there are three major issues that need to be addressed at some point, a sapsual, but particularly in the off season, which are the following. The first is there are some really big breakdowns in terms of fundamentals, um, in terms of the passing, the team collectively can't cohesively pass, whether short or long. Um, they have trouble in defending and offending, playing offense and set pieces uh, as a result also. And so you're having, when you can't pass, when you can't do set piece defense, when you can't deliver set piece worthy type of balls and passes, then you're going to be struggling and having issues in the first place. Add that on top of the fact that you have some personnel issues where you don't have the quality of players you need to have in terms of the midfield. Uh, and that would help to kind of mitigate some of these passing issues. Um, and you have a lot of youth all across the team on the back line, on the front line, um, every line. And then you add this together with some incurring injuries that happen over the course of the season, then you got some big, big problems that just get exacerbated when you add in the last portion where you have uh, tactical implementation failures um, as within the tactics for this team that have been implemented. Casey Stoney, the manager of Manchester United, has desired to run a 4-3-3, which is four people on the back line. You got two full backs, two center backs, three midfielders, and then three people on the front line where you have two wingers and a nine, a striker in the center, a central midfielder, I mean, forward. And so basically in having this, you know, it will work and be cool because, you know, over the time in my paying attention to what was going on, I could see what Casey Stoney was trying to do. She acquired the pieces. She required all these attacking pieces that were like luxury sports cars. She got this Ferrari. She got the Maserati. She got the Mercedes. She got all these fast little cars ready to grow and roar to effectively burn down the league because she's a phenomenal defensive line. Mine. So basically what she could do is set up some kind of tactics, set up the per personnel in a way where with her attacking pieces that she acquired when she got the Tobin Heaps to Kristen Press, the Alessia Russo's with the Lauren Jameses and the Latoons and, and the Jackie Gronins, that she could put all the points on your forehead while being able to craft up a phenomenal defense that has given the top of the table mad problems. Um and so she could have the fullbacks run up and down the flanks, the, the wingers running all around, um, have the midfield service, someone that's at, in the non position to service Alessia Russo. If you wanted to service a phenomenal winger that is Christian Press, who could also play a non, could also be in the midfield, you know, service whoever and be a, like a complete nightmare to defend while having phenomenal defense. In theory, that would be beautiful and work, you know. However, injuries dismantled all of this you know and so 
in the process, as a result, you're having tactical implementation failures because of the first two major issues I pointed out, the breakdown in passing and the quality of players and the issues in terms of just doing the fundamentals correctly, you then effectively don't have a sound midfield. And so the biggest issue all season has been in the midfield and the inability to pass through the midfield to the front line or per or away from the back line. And so you've put mad pressure on the back line to try to hold up and not fall apart as youth. Um, and then you've put mad pressure on the front line, particularly even in the midfield with your 10 and who is usually a young player like Ella Toon, Lauren James, to have them make decisions that as young players, they haven't gotten to the point of maturity to do yet. Hmm. And so in the process, they can't service the balls correctly to who is your nine, who, is, who has been Chris and Press for large chunks of the season because Alessio Russo has been hurt. And so you're effectively then taking one of the best players in the world out the game because if your midfield is having issues moving the ball to the front line, and then you're relying on utilizing a nine, you must have somebody who can adequately service the nine. But when it, that is not happening, you then are effectively removing that nine out of the game. And so then you're then forcing the wingers to have to put in crazy work, moving up and down to retrieve the ball out of the nine midfield <laughs> to bring it up back and forth. On top of that, you then take out one of your best attacking midfielders in Jackie Gronin, mm-hmm. where she has to cover sideline to sideline Um to effectively make up for what is lacking in midfield quality as the defensive midfielder who has typically been Haley Ladd has had to drop back and protect the back line because of all the passing issues that are going on. And so as a result, you effectively have cut off your nine, you're forcing mad work on the wingers and fullbacks. The fullbacks are then coming out of position that are causing the center backs to be overtaxed with the defensive midfielder. And so then you're then causing all kinds of errors to happen on top of the errors that are happening in set piece defense. And you mm. got an erroneous goals and everything's going off the rails. Yeah. And so in effect, as the time has gone, this 4-3-3 is then effectively like being implemented week in, week out as several people have been injured, um, as several people have been in and out of the lineup. Um, and, and, and you're getting to a point where, yeah, you might've won a bunch of games previously as other teams were either injured or coming into form or learn how to gel or just bad mm-hmm. that it's catching up to you now when you're all super hurt and injured mm-hmm. and you effectively have schemed in a way your whole team out of the game plan. And that's basically what has been happening. Oh no, absolutely. And I think, you know, I let you run with that. And I think you pretty much covered uh, most of my sentiments. Uh, I certainly do want to acknowledge that injuries have not helped uh, not Manchester United considering who's been hurt. Uh, they are the new injury FC for sure. Yes. Um, and I think I've seen a slight adjustment on Casey's part recently with the formation being, I think a four, two, three, one, but that effectively still leaves too much room, uh, particularly if you're dropping those two midfielders back to help defend so essentially mm-hmm. putting five on the back line. It's just, it's the midfield, right? Like it's the the youth and just the struggling to find the pass, even when somebody's screaming, they're open, right? And if you're going to insist on playing with a nine, particularly in a four, two, three, one, where the nine is a top all by herself. And again, it's usually Kristen Press who hasn't really played nine since early in her professional career. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a bit of a disaster, right? And teams are just going to park the bus much, much like Hope Powell did. Um, 
there are ways to scheme around that, right? Like you could do a three, five, one, just to make your passing lanes a lot smaller and like the ability to mess up the pass. It almost covers for that because it's such a confined amount of space. Having said that, uh, I'm not so sure, you know, in terms of timeline, that's worth doing now. It, I think today effectively knocks Manchester yeah. United out of that Champions League competition. Right. I'm hoping they can keep fourth, uh, just for your sake, because uh, Everton has seemed to have found their form. Right. And that's without arguably their best striker and, and Govan. So, yeah, I, I think what are some of your fixes for that? Uh, I know I've, I've heard you say a few things, but what's the one thing you think? Casey well, I mean, so even, I mean, the most important part at this point is just to keep winning games. Mm. Um, and then you wanted to, Let's say you still do have hope for the Champions League spot. You got, you know, you're on the last hour. Your your heart rate is at the the minimal, right? Mm-hmm. You can almost get there. You need to win out. And you yeah. also need to make up goal differential. You have phenomenal attacking players. Even for those of those, Jackie Gronin, Ella Toon, Lauren James, Kristen Press should mm-hmm. put mad goals on the board if you allow them even with the Lucy Stanifer, either with the Haley Ladd, heck, even right. with the Millie Turner, right. you should be able to put with Anya Battle, uh, Anya Botley, and uh, Maria Thorne's daughter. Uh, Thor's daughter. I have Thor's to daughter. Yeah. Thor, you could, you could, they could service balls up the field. Like, you have the talent to do this, but you have to create a formation that allows it to happen. And so I was thinking of a two up top, then four, four, um, mm-hmm. where you effectively would put four back there. You keep the four back there, but with the four in the midfield, you give the freedom for them to either join an attack or help protect and defend. Mm-hmm. And then with the two up top, you prevent the isolation of like a Kristen press, put her up there right. with Lauren James or Ella Toon and allow them to go to work and move wherever the heck they need to move. Yeah. Um, I think one of the bigger issues in the recent games is that Casey Stoney has had Kristen Press play interior while Lauren James was playing on the other side, mm. on the exterior, on the wing. And that's particularly problematic because while Lauren James is a phenomenal ball handler to a point, she hasn't evolved to a winger yet. She's a young player. It took Kristen Press, Tobin Heath, years to get to that point. Mm-hmm. She's not there yet. So while she can handle the ball, what I noticed teams were doing recently, and they did it today even, mm-hmm. is they were effectively allowing her move up and down the wing, and then they would trap her. Because yep. when they realized she couldn't get the ball to other people and the passing was bad in the midfield, they took her out the game. And right. so already the nine was out of the game, unless whoever, Kristen Press, Jessica Sigworth, moved outside of that position. Um, and so you, you effectively had shut down the offense. Where yes. if you would have had Kristen be on the wing, she is a comfortable winger. She, y- y'all, she used to be the, <laughs> she used to do this all the time, yes. all the time, where she was ha- effectively in each game a forward midfield hybrid. And so she can carry the ball up and down the flanks. She can service people. She, if things get in trouble, that's fine. She can take five people with her and service the ball to whoever else. She could have serviced to Ella. She could have serviced to Jackie. She could have serviced it to Lauren. And so, you just she just needs the outlet to steadily be involved in the game and it's all game because this woman would put up at chicago red stars in particular put up goals at the 89th minute the 90th minute extra time minute just putting goals to either tie the game win the game and so you needed to let that free to be able to get involved as with you needed to give uh lauren james movement to be able to move and be free and hold up the field and support the midfield in the center um 
And it's kind of funny in a couple of games, the last couple of games they played together, you could see where they actually switched inadvertently yeah. into the did right it, spots. Did it themselves, yeah. And almost either scored goals or if they were in the wrong spot, they, they almost scored goals in the wrong spot. When they got in the right spots, they scored the goals. Mm-hmm. But it's like if you would have did that from the jump, they would have, one, helped you burn down the other team's defense yep. and help you just solidify the wins against Arsenal, mm-hmm. heck, and heck, even today, if they were healthy, um, right. to be quite frank. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think most of the goals I've seen Lauren James score over the past couple of years have been dead central or pretty much she's drifted slightly. Looks like normally left, maybe right sometimes. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think even just switching those two would have probably helped solve a lot of your problems. Uh, but having said that, like you said, went out the rest of the year. But what what's the one fix you got for for them going forward? Um, make sure uh, Jackie Ronan is never on nobody's wing. <laughs> I guess big the biggest thing is to unlock your players so they can attack and flow and be free. Um, How does Casey oh, Stoney do that? And let let go of the concept of the nine. Yes, that I agree with. You can just do let it. it go. Manchester let it City go. men do it all the time, and they have one of the best nines ever. Um, I think too hiring uh, an offensive mind, almost like an offensive coordinator, would oh yeah go, that part too go a long way because that's not Casey's wheelhouse. I'm not saying she can't learn it, but that's not her expertise, right? So you need sort of to be able to do that in tandem. So I think hiring somebody with an offensive and super attacking mindset. And see, and with really that, it, it can't be you rely on a Kristen Press helping Heath because I've heard this and seen this hot take from several people. Mm-hmm. They are still players in her system. She is still the manager. Yes. And so she needs to have an offensive coordinator yes. to work with her. She's a phenomenal defensive coordinator of any tactics on the football field. Right. Um, so she needs an offensive coordinator to help her. She needs the Eric Benamy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what that what does that look like? She needs to go to Spain. She needs to go to Italy. She needs to go to the United States, go to Mexico, grab somebody out of some of these leagues to help her scheme in game and game to game um, to make adjustments, to utilize her players to the best of ability. Because if she had that, she wins a lot of these games. And we're talking about today. Oh man, they lost to Brighton, but because of injury, but yo, they go into the champions league and they got to get this person and da, 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 instead of man, we hope they finish in fourth at this point. Cause that's not a guarantee either. And I think that's a big part of it too, but also just player acquisition. I'm super interested to see regardless of whether they make the Champions League or not, because at the end of the day, United's rich. So um, they can spend money. Just interested to see who they get, right? Because you still have to have the quality players to do that. If you look at the Champions League, the teams that are successful spend money or at least have players of a certain quality. You can't build a Champions League team organically anymore. Like women's football is sort of past that point. You gotta, you gotta drop money. Uh, I think there are a few out there. I know I would have a wish list as a GM for them, uh, but I believe Angen from Wolfsburg is available. I think she's mm-hmm. an incredible holding mid, and uh, she can still get out of tight spaces and sort of dangerous situations on the ball. She's really calm. She doesn't seem to be phased by much. Uh, I don't think you can get Andy Sullivan, but I think an Andy Sullivan type who also can yes. play defense, but is an incredible on the ball, incredible in attack, can run with people, but also can sort of dime passes over lines or to the wings. And it's just doesn't have a whole lot of panic. It's incredibly smooth. It's taller, right? So it it goes further, right? Like people can't keep up with her stride for stride. 
Um, and I think there are a couple of players that she might have a shot at. Uh, I think Alana Cook's contract is up at PSG, if I'm not Ooh. mistaken. And I believe she is a dual citizen, I believe. Yes, she is. Her father is British, right? So, And she serves beautiful balls. Yeah, and she's an incredible defender uh, and can help in the attack. Is it going to get phased? Plays the right angle most of the time. Can play center back is probably best at that position, but you could probably tuck her in uh, the right the right side uh, as a compliment to Ona, and it wouldn't look terrible. So uh, you can sort of have her as a stopgap if there's injury or you can't necessarily acquire the outside back that you want. And the last one, and it hurts my heart. Mm-hmm. It really Don't does say it. because the there aren't a lot of nines in women's football, right? Like not true line, sort of that Abby Wambach style of I play centrally, I do hold up play, I'm strong. I'm going to ram it down your throat. Uh, And Casey Sony seems to be committed to that, which isn't surprising. There's a lot of uh, philosophical English football tied into having a nine. Uh, And there's one that sits on Chelsea's bench most of the time, right? Um, In Bethany, England. And I think she has the mindset to play for Manchester United. And while we are rivals, that is not our biggest rival. And so I don't think it's a, an affront to the fan base in the same way as, as it would be if she went to, say, a Tottenham, right? Mm-hmm. Or even an Arsenal. So, yeah, I think she would work well with Casey. I think she'd fit into that culture and that team. I think she's a very good goal scorer. She was the leading goal scorer for us last year. I think if you give her a chance, she's hungry. I think she's out to prove people wrong. I think she wants to spot on the national team. And so that might be somebody worth acquiring and you have the money to do it. So we'll see. Cha-ching. That's yeah. what you got to do. And cha-ching? So, okay. Yeah, cha-ching. You got, you got to, you got to break the bread. All right, but yeah, all right. I mean, in the off season, they for sure have to solve these fundamental breakdowns in the passing. They got to just pass, just practice, pass all summer, pass into the, to the preseason, <laughs> pass every practice. Yes. Uh, aside from that, fix their training facility issues because too mm. many people have gotten hurt. Yes. Um, this isn't a one-off. You've had some serious issues where you lost your star players for months. Kristen Press has been hurt for it was sick for a month. Lesia Russo has been hurt for multiple months. Tobin mm. Heath has been hurt. Leah Golson's hurt. Haley Ladd is now probably hurt for the rest of the season. Ivana mm. Fuso. It's hard. Oh. You know, we could keep going on and on and on. You have to fix the issues that are either happening in training or with the training pitch or both. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, making those changes, bringing in the correct personnel and then getting an offensive coach to correct these tactics uh, to make the changes. I mean, it's yeah. important. Blacko had to go through it. Emma yes. Hayes had to go through it. Yes. Casey's so, going to have to do it. Yeah. And I, like I said, I think her ceiling is very high. I think she is talented. Uh, Friendly reminder, she's in her second year in the yeah. WSL, so she's obviously still, obviously still learning. We both like Casey Stoney very much. Yeah, Casey so, Stoney is five. She's five. Yeah, so I, like, want, I, want, I want good things for her, except for maybe against my Chelsea. But yes, I want, I want her to you. succeed. You want, you want great <laughs> success. Thank you very much. Yes. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so I, I'm, I'm rooting for her, and I, I, I want good things for the players. I've grown to like some of the Manchester United players, so... Here's hoping uh, the rest of the season plays out well and that next season is looking up. Um, right. So before we get to our next sec- segment, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, in our next segment, we're going to preview a little bit the NWSL, talk about some things we might not have liked that we saw this week from the league. Ooh. And we're going to give you our rants and our rays before wrapping up the show. Uh, so stay tuned and we'll be back in just a few seconds.
If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Welcome back to Shea Butter FC Podcast with Silves and Sky. So we got to whisper that from now on. That's right. That's right. So we're going to jump in now to our domestic league, the National Mm -hmm. Soccer League, NWSL for for the fans. Uh, We're going to do something a little different. We're just going to point out a handful of players, black players that we feel uh, people should be looking out for that aren't necessarily on the national team or aren't necessarily known to the larger soccer community here in the United States. Uh, but before we do that, speaking of black folk and black soccer players, uh, we need to talk about the promotional video that the NWSL made this week. Oh, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, to promote the Challenge Cup, which was very successful last year. To give credit to the league, it was the first uh, professional sporting event, team sporting event in the United States to be completed successfully during the pandemic. So right. always going to give them props for that. However... Some other things happened at that Challenge Cup last year. Right. Uh, right. So this was in the summer, right in the midst of what had happened with the murder of George Floyd by the police in Minneapolis, St. Paul. This was on the heels of the Breonna Taylor murder while she slept in her bed not too long before the Challenge Cup started or, or earlier in 2020. And all of the other acts that had happened and bringing attention through sport to these things, a la what Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick did. Uh, in the NFL and what others have done before. And the NWSL decided this was worth highlighting, Mm -hmm. which would be all well and good, uh, except last year's started off well, didn't end very well. We've heard, uh, obviously, coming out of last year's Challenge Cup stories from current and former players about some of the issues they had and particularly having those conversations with their white teammates, right? The lack You're of right. training, the lack of DEI, everybody's favorite thing these days. Yeah, the, yeah, it was basically, it was, it is clear that the National Women's Soccer League, the NWSL did not have a single ounce, a piece, a iota, a anything of a diversity, equity, inclusion, officer, office, entity in their organization. Yes. So this all... All this crap was handled horribly. Yes. Particularly and with the black players. With the black players. And I think the culmination of that or the symbol of that, unfortunately, because it keeps being shown over and over again, which we're getting to in just a second, uh, was the moment that Casey Short, now Kruger, uh, right. broke down on the pitch just from, I imagine, as an, a fellow black woman, the load that is being black in this country and having to be in predominantly white spaces and having to have conversations that, quite frankly, your white coworkers don't want to have. Uh, right. And in that moment, famously, is being held by Julie Ertz. So fast forward to this Challenge Cup. The league obviously wants to capitalize on the success of last year, right? It's launched the careers on the national team of several players, or the relaunch, uh, if you're talking about Christy Mulis. Right. So they wanted to make a hype video, a presentation video, and they seem to take pride in the fact that they confronted racial justice issues, regardless of Black people telling them they didn't necessarily do a good job. All well and good. Uh, Not well and good, but obviously, okay, it's going to go forward. Who am I but a a lowly fan, right? Um, 
But in this hype video that came out this week, they showed the clip of Casey and Julie on the field. They're right. showing Casey Kruger's trauma to promote their league and right. promote the work they have professed to be doing, even though they should be and could be doing more. And I'm not going to lie to you. When I saw that, I was enraged and I stopped the video because I had it, no desire to see anything else. Because it was crazy about the clip and how it was inserted. And then they had like a clip of some like, I think it was oil rain and a bunch of rainbow kits. Yes. Uh, where basically <laughs> they were acting like they solved transphobia, racism, homophobia, LGBT phobia, everything in the midst yeah. of this challenge cup. And it's like, where on earth is the diversity and equity and inclusion office? Anybody rep? Did I exist? Did you get one? Have y'all read the anti-racism books? Did y'all do the work? Because right. clearly it's not looking like it. And I know, did you even talk to the Black Women's Players Collective, mm. which was spawned during all of this, mm-hmm. to say, hey, is it cool for us to put this moment in the video? Is it cool for this video to look like this? Did you did you have the conversations? I, um, I suspect not. I suspect not. Because it was all. like, it was pointing out, don't put this out there. Don't make this video. Like, don't stop capitalizing on Casey Kruger's trauma. Like, don't do it like this. Exactly. And yet here we are here still we are. talking about this almost a year later. And this is on the heels of also this week, the NWSL putting out a policy around trans athletes, which was a rather exclusionary to our non-binary siblings and B not a very good policy. Uh, a lot of pushback on that as well. Rightfully. So right. uh, a lot of stuff in there that's not backed up by science. So in many ways, uh, as much as we love watching the league, they, they got to do better. Like this they is gotta do better. on you. This is your This is this 2021. Is world, so. Like you got to yeah. do better, be better. Like, and if you do have a diversity and equity inclusion rep, like do they have genuine influence? Right. Do they have the correct power or is it stuff that make you feel comfortable as white people? Exactly. So Because um, that's the bigger overarching problem that is plague mm. the success of football in this country. It's right. like prevented the billions from happening in the women's game because we're allowing racism to torpedo the sport. People out here think that black and brown and Asian people do not like football in this country. Right. Well, if you drive it. around, they play it. They love yeah. it, but they can't get the access to it because of the pay for play because it's how it's set up, how you can't get the access from the college ranks to the pros. And so that's why you see the disparities and, you know, you don't need to do a study to figure it out. You need to get unracist. You need to get anti-problematic. You need to get anti-racist, anti-problematic and be better. Absolutely. Couldn't have said that better myself. Oh, Jesus. Uh, so to transition, uh, there are games being played uh, this are. coming weekend on the 9th and the 10th to mm-hmm. kick off to the Challenge Cup. Another issue is the national team will be playing on the 10th and the 13th. And so your best players or certainly your most recognizable players won't be here for the beginning of the challenge cup. And you have some big clubs, you have a Portland, you have an Orlando, uh, you have a Houston, you have other clubs playing uh, with notable players missing. I think North Carolina is playing as well. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's a gift and a curse, right? Um, National team players bring notoriety, uh, brings a certain level of skill sets, right? These are the players you want the world to see. Um, And it's a problem because the NWSL takes place outside of almost every other league in the world's time for table, which is from fall to spring. We go from spring to fall, essentially. 
Um, so that's always hard and complicated and it always runs up against the international friendlies and the FIFA, FIFA schedule. Um, but also it is a chance for players that you might not know to get some shine or some players you might've forgotten about to make their case for being back on the national team or captaining their current club team. So we're going to talk about those players. I think we have a handful that we, we want to point out five black players, by the way. Yeah. Um, let's to, get into it. Want let's, you to let's look, talk about look it for, to, you want me to go first? Or you want to go first? You go first. Go ahead. Uh, all right. All right. All right. So mine uh, going to stay here in the Northwest. We have acquired Zr King. Shout out. She's super interactive on Twitter. Uh, young, hungry, forward, love her movement on the ball, love her speed. Can't wait for her to get some of these uh, sophisticated runs down. And she's honestly just a joy to watch. Again, I like my soccer fun. And she mm-hmm. makes it fun and she plays with a smile on her face. She's also about her business on these social issues, social justice issues. So props to her for really stepping into that as a rookie, by the way, in her first tournament. She mm-hmm. definitely stood out last Challenge Cup, so I don't foresee that changing for her. I'm really interested to see this partnership with Bethany Bowser, who's also been thriving uh, at OL Reign in part uh, thanks to Vlacko's coaching before he left. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really hyped to see what that looks like. And she's representing for the short hair crew, so I appreciate that as well. Uh, and sort of what she's going to look like particularly when Megan Rapino gets back or Shirley Cruz gets back from international duty and she's got those midfielders that can really feed her those passes. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see her future. I think we're going to know her name for a long time. So yeah. Um, so I guess uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Sydney LaRue hey. um, with the Orlando pride, you know, the legendary, the greatness that is Sydney LaRue. She hasn't been on the national team in a minute because she had, she she's brought into the world two beautiful children yes. and has been um getting back into shape um and so now in the blackout area where he's in charge of the u.s women's national team um you know she used to play for him and yep. so there is a chance if she's balling out of control mm-hmm. she could appear on this roster <laughs> in June. yes because let us not forget sydney larue was a problem can be a problem and is a great phenomenal problem and baller to have on your squad to and she's played with a lot of the players that are currently on the team um she has phenomenal chemistry with players i mean she used to i mean she's assisted kristen press tobin heath yes like she 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 is she is she plays with alex morgan so it's like you got the chemistry there you know it's like is she back to who she is i want to see because i think she could ball out of control for orlando in this challenge cup particularly since I didn't get a chance to play last year because of COVID mm. and this Panini um, <laughs> panorama pandemic that prevented them to, for, from showcasing their skills. Yes. So I'm looking forward to seeing what she looks like. Who else you got out here in these streets? Yeah, we, we love Sid LaRue here at Shea Butter uh, FC. And a friendly reminder to you all of the current crop of 30-year-olds, she is the youngest. So She is. So never forget that. So I think she'll be back for sure. And Vlaco has proven that he's willing to give people second and maybe third chances. So I'm excited to see that. Uh, for me, I got Simone Charlie. So again, another one who stood out last year, or another player, sorry, Ford, that stood out last year during the Challenge Cup, particularly in the absence of an injured Sophia Smith, who's very much in the national team pool. I think she and Morgan Weaver, hopefully and likely have figured out how to play together. I also think it will absolutely help that two of the best players in the world and Lindsay Horan and uh, Crystal Dunn will 
who's looking to be, who's likely in the midfield for Portland. So that should be interesting. Friendly reminder to those who forgot Crystal Dunn is now in Portland because life is unfair. Um, But yeah, so I think with the services that they'll be, you know, providing and sort of those runs, those overlapping runs where she can play off of that, uh, that'll work to her skill set. It might take them a minute to gel, but that team is loaded with talent. And I think she's a ridiculously good complement to that. I think uh, Portland is set, you know, with the retirement, impending retirement. I'm not writing off Christine Sinclair yet. Uh, one of the goats don't want to do that, but uh, I think she's a lot more career behind her than in front of her. And that's an incredibly young front line with Charlie and Weaver and Smith. And I'm excited though. I will be rooting against them to see what that front line is going to look like for the next five to 10 years, for sure. I think they will be one of the greats. I think they all have slightly different games. And I think Simone Charlie is an excellent compliment and maybe the one who doesn't get a as much attention because she wasn't the first or second pick in the first round. So uh, props to you, Simone and Charlie. We're looking forward to see you, seeing you do more great things, hitting some shea butter palms uh, yeah. and playing really well with a loaded team. That is the Portland Thorns. And um, so I also yeah. would like to give a shout out and who else I'm looking forward to in Mal- Mallory Pugh. She going to uh, appear for the Chicago Red Stars, my mm-hmm. team. My old team. I still look <laughs> out for you, even though I'm now an Angel City FC fan. <laughs> Let's go. Um, and so I'm looking forward to her playing in the system that Kristen Press booked, uh, Kristen Press cooked and built. <laughs> yeah. And then what Sam Carter then took to another level, uh, what that system will do with Mallory Pugh, um, mm-hmm. how she will evolve. Will she be leveraged on the wing? Will he try to do what he did with both of them and utilizing her? in multiple positions um because i want to see her succeed and be great again um she is super young people forget that that she is 22 she might be younger than katarina macario who Mm. is just now playing professionally keep in mind um mal literally left school to join the national team and Mm so and didn't even go to college effectively so you know this is a chance for her to get back in the game to heal up get healthy and the ball out of control in Chicago and hopefully get back on the team. Yeah. And honestly, even if she too, if she balls out in the cup, she's been to the Olympics. Uh, she's been to the, she's been in national and big tournaments, international tournaments. Mm-hmm. She very well could reappear on the roster. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to her balling. For sure, Absolutely. For sure. And I think Mal Pugh at her best is a can't miss uh, yes. national team selection for sure. I've always said, I think that's the closest thing just naturally that I've seen to me and him. Uh, mm-hmm. on that national team so I really hope that she can get unblocked and get healthy and and ball out because uh, she's she can play many places so absolutely um, and our last person to look out for I uh, saved it for last because Goku always uh, is Trinity Rodman so yeah I think both of us are very excited uh, to see her play professionally again very young player 18 years old uh, decided with COVID to forego her college career we're very sad about it here, uh, but super excited to see her play in the league. I've heard she's been doing some phenomenal things preseason, including hitting some shea butter bombs and just having studied up on her, read up on her, seen a little bit of her. Uh, seems like her two favorite players and the sort of the ta- tactical approaches and the and the approaches to shooting and ball handling uh, are modeled after Kristen Press and Tobin Heath, which seems like mm-hmm. an unfair combination with that yep. level of talent. Uh, so it might take her a challenge cup or maybe even the season, but 
she was a nominee for Young Player of the Year for the country. Um, mm-hmm. And I think she's going to be it, right? I think she's going to be one on the death chart sooner rather right. than later. Uh, right. She's just got an incredibly unique skill set. She's fast. She's good on the ball. She's right. tenacious. She, Like you said, players that want to embarrass people, she's definitely one right. of those players. And so, and she, it's so yeah. and like with her in particular, how she described, if you haven't read the article, mm-hmm. um, ESPN, um, I believe. Yeah, where she talks about how how she models her game after Tobin Heath and Kristen Press, mm-hmm. like the level of detail in terms of how she analyzed their game. Yes, she's she's like a teenager, right? She's- like just think as she adds tools to the toolbox and mm-hmm. develops her skill set, what that's gonna look like. She's already there and is really close to even playing with them on a the national team. Yes. So you know, she's going to be really, really, really good, really, really quickly and really, really a problem, particularly yeah. for the upcoming World Cup in 2023. Oh, we'll absolutely. get into that in the future. Yeah, you know I'm saying we plenty talked of time. about that. Plenty of time. So I guess, do we need to get into our little special segment? Yes. Uh, so I'm gonna let you kick that one off then. But yeah, this is this is the last major segment for us. And then we will wrap it up and let y'all get on with your day. Well, so let's get into these things. We call it the Ranston Raves, where we're going to rant a little bit, and then we're going to get some raves and cheers, and then you're going to be on your way. So I guess I'm first on the docket. <laughs> uh, you know, my rant is dedicated to these individuals who have these horrible hot takes on this, on Al Gore's internet, where they decide <laughs> that they want to effectively call Black players overrated. And the from what I've seen for over the last few months, the two black players in particular are some of our faves and Kristen Press and Crystal Dunn, where mm-hmm. we go, oh, no, Crystal Dunn is not really the number one player in the world or Kristen Press isn't really that good. And it's like we get on all these hot takes. Lord Jesus, with Manchester United losing games, even today, <laughs> people were talking about Kristen Press is overrated. Like Kristen Press didn't even play today. She was hurt. <laughs> she wasn't even in the stadium. <laughs> or then even with Crystal Dunn, where uh, Sebastian Salazar you know, gave props and said, yo, she should be ranked number one in the world. I saw people saying, nah, 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 Crystal Dunn, she played in those positions years ago. She hasn't been ranked that high in all this and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, y'all, let's not do this. So Mm -hmm. let me do some favors for you. Before you decide that you're going to make hot takes on these Black players and disparage their names, I'm going to need you to do some things. Particularly because you like to do this with black players in particular. You even do this with Lauren James and she's super young, you know, but you won't do that for anybody's white counterpart. Mm-hmm. So let me give you some, let me give you some advice. What you need to do is when you feel moved that you want to talk about somebody like a Kristen Press or, or a, a Crystal Dunn, you apply this to other players, but particularly for these two players. What you need to do is then turn, open up your internet browser and type in the WW for the World Wide Web and get on there and get it, get you on your Wikipedia page, search their Wikipedia pages, go scroll down to the section for when they played in the National Women's Soccer League, the NWSL, look for the teams in the years they played for. Kristen Press, you know, see, she played for the Chicago Red Stars. She played for the Utah Royals. In terms of Crystal Dunn, she played for the Washington Spirit, Portland Thorns. And then you go, take yourself to the National Women's Soccer League homepage or even go to YouTube and look for the years they played and then type in the years they played and look for the games and then go click on the film and watch the tape and watch them ball and watch both of them particular 
ball out, beast out, and one mixtape, embarrass people, put goals on people's foreheads, and play multiple positions. Be hybrid yeah. players. They're out here being midfielders and forwards at the same time, even playing defense and doing it all game, cooking people up, dragging people to the playoffs who have no business being in the playoffs, winning whole league championships, being in the best 11, mm-hmm. like balling out of control. Yes. And then you stop playing these games and saying that they ain't worth a damn. Because let me be clear, black women Black people, but particularly black women, have to go above and beyond the call of duty to be balling as they need to to get any recognition or props. And so y'all like to say they ain't worth a damn or they not doing this thing when they actually do the thing all the time. And so, you know, they have to be so great to be and exist in a sport that's so white, you know. And so it's like it, it trips me out when we say they're overrated when in fact they're underrated, Amen. you know, because we don't correctly give their give them their flowers and that's a travesty and that's got to stop ladies keep balling keep dropping them shea butter bombs what you got man amen to that amen to that uh mine's gonna be brief uh but i just want to talk to some of the adults and well so uh uh-oh fandom twitter whatever we're gonna call it actually the media also it's the media but it's it's people who have access within women's soccer who are grown and have salaries and benefits, and in some cases, children. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so listen. Part of what my homie here just said, right, was black women are rarely overrated because they're rarely rated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, Woso Twitter is not a huge place, right? There are also a lot of young people on Woso Twitter. I'm talking teenagers, early 20s at best right, who have particularly gravitated toward the Crystal Presses, toward the Crystal Duns, toward the Sizzle Brews, toward the Midge Purses, right? Because they're Black women and, and or women of color, right? These are the players that they go up for because here's a newsflash, when people of color don't see themselves, they look for themselves, they look for representation so they can imagine the possibilities, right? Um, and if you love a sport, you want to see yourself reflected in it. Mm-hmm. I was never going to play goalkeeper, but I sure as heck cared about what Brian Scurry did when I was young, what? right? Tell okay. them. And if I had been on Twitter, I would be obnoxious about Brian Scurry, right? If there had been a Twitter in the 90s. So I'm saying all of that to say, as somebody who works with young people pretty much every day of her life, right? They absolutely have wrong takes, right? And wrong opinions. They're young. Their brains are not fully developed. They're going to get it wrong and they're going to be allowed about getting it wrong. But when we're on social media, particularly on a Twitter, where you have the option to scroll past or mute or block them, you all instead choose to engage in ways that are very much like punching down. And I want you to understand you are punching down to black and brown young people, oftentimes queer black and brown young people. And so as the adults in the room, I just wanted to take a second before we react because our buttons have been pushed or we've been disagreed with because we're supposed to be able to handle that. Mm-hmm. particularly if we get paid to have an opinion. Right. I want us to take a moment and pause and question why we so viscerally feel the need to punch down at young people. Mm-hmm. We've got to stop that. We're the adults. We have to set the example and we have to do the work. Mm-hmm. And it makes me incredibly uncomfortable to see that happen fairly regularly as if no lessons have been learned. And mm-hmm. I know this isn't going to make me friends or fans and that's fine, 
I don't live my life that way. I don't need your valid. I don't need your validation. I'm a black woman. You're not going to give it to me anyway. So check yourselves as adults. I say that to myself as well. Check yourselves before you say something or do something that's going to cause irrevocable damage to young people who are just trying to find some joy in a world that does not love them. Right. Okay. Particularly when it happens because the, (laughs) because they're defending black players perhaps. Yeah. And they're usually right. Oh yeah. They're right more than they're not. Um, And again, when you have the option, always the option to just scroll past, ignore it, block it or mute it. I hope you're not doing engagement with people you don't like for content because that is a reflection on you and not the young people. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and I'll do that a lot, but let's just check ourselves as adults. Let's be adults. Let's be better. Let's lead by example so that we can bring more people into this fandom and not run them out. That's my rant. And so, well, so now you, you, you gave a sermon right there. So what's your right for this week? Because Oh, I let the people know about some greatness out right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So my rave, and I could do this all day, uh, but my rave is the shout out to Gabriela Alvarez, who hit a ridiculous goal from about 25, 26 yards uh, in Liga Mexico Feminal, which, by the way, if you can catch games or highlights or whatever of this league, they are balling out of control. Balling. Never boring. They score beautiful goals. They make beautiful passes. And... Shout out to the Mexican national team. They hired their first woman, I believe, late in 2020. And that team's coming. So for the rest of CONCACAF, and I'm talking to our own national team as well, be prepared. The Mexican team is going to be here, and they're going to be here for a while. And I'm going to enjoy watching them play, even if I don't want them to beat my team. Sometimes I might want them to beat my team. But, yeah, I just want to shout out Gabriela (laughs) Alvarez, who absolutely made a ridiculous goal. I think she put her team up 2-0 and they just like ran around the field like little kids, berserk. The coach was hugging on people. It was fantastic. And that's what this sport is about. It's fun. It's a game. It's a beautiful game. It's the best right. game in the world. So Yo, that, that goal made you go, that Yeah. That, that, that was like, woo! When you, when you like screw up, when you screw up woo! your face, like, ooh, yeah. That was, yeah. That was like, I was like, oh! I was like, goal! So yeah, she did that. She did that. She did it for real. So shout out to her, Gabriela Alvarez. And I believe she plays for Juarez. So shout out. Shout out, shout out. What's your rave? So my rave, I guess, is, you know, I got to get the props because even though we dropped one this week, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Ah! Yes. Kristen Press and Laura James made that Black girl magic happen, that Black woman magic. They did that thing. They did. In the great Old Trafford in one of the best stadiums in the world. Can't you say that? I'll give you, I'll give it to you. Excuse me. Recognize greatness. They I already did, did my thing. rant. I already did my rant. So they did they did that thing. So uh <laughs> Manchester United women's team, they played in the stadium uh for the first time, and Lauren James scored the first goal mm-hmm. and made that black history, made that history, and with the beautiful header, then Krista Press came through. She wasn't even the picture, she came rolling through after getting hit Ooh. a little bit and then made a beautiful run to to connect with a beautiful pass from Jackie Ronan. And scored the second goal. So yes. it was like Shea Butter Bombs times two in yes. the great Old Trafford. And yes. it, w- it brought beautiful moisturization. It laid my edges. It had me just right. I was just like, hey, hey. hey it, made even, it, it probably even made Syl want to become a Manchester United fan. Ooh, don't take it too far, but it was good for the soul. And as the kids say, uh, Kristen hit the Zoom. So I'm it always zoom, here zoom. for the Zoom because that's zoom, one of zoom, my zoom, favorite zoom. things in all the soccer. So yeah, it was wonderful, and I cheered for Manchester United uh, out loud. 
Uh, and it was worth it. It was worth it because uh, Kristen and Lauren scored goals, uh, both players that I like very, very much. So I was happy to see it. And I was happy that they made history at Old Trafford, uh, even if it was for a team I don't like. So congratulations. And yeah, they did. You, ladies. Yeah, they did that thing. So I basically, yeah, well, that's about it for this week. So uh, I yeah. guess we need to preview what's happening on this next week episode. There's some, I think it's like an international break, but the Challenge Cup is happening anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing those at the same time. So, yeah, next week we will delve more into the Challenge Cup. Uh, first couple games for sure. Uh, the ninth and the 10th are the first games. Uh, you can check the NWSL.com for the full schedule. All games will be on Paramount+. Plus. It is a subscription service, but it's well worth it. Uh, mm-hmm. I subscribe, so get yourself your soccer fix. Um, yeah, we also have international friendlies. Uh, the United States will be playing Sweden on the 10th always a pesky pesky opponent for us and then some version of the french squad on the 13th yep yep and And i thought you said you wanted to see like spain's playing mexico oh yeah so spain is scheduled to play mexico and if i can find that game somewhere on my internet or my television i will be be glued to my tv oh that's Um, gonna be fun that's my kind of football right there for sure that's gonna be fun yeah, so, you know, there's gonna be some shea butter bombs, all kind of bombs, all of like all up in there. Yes. So I guess it's about that time for us to piece it out. Um, so let's get to it. So as we will say every week, yes. wanna make sure you stay hydrated, stay melanated, make sure the black women in your life are celebrated, and make sure your shea butter bombs are always elevated. Have a great week, stay blessed, stay fresh, and do what you need to, and we'll see you soon. Stay safe and goodbye. This is an Alliance podcast.